This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. This episode is brought to you by Sleep Number. Sleep Number beds allow you to adjust on each side to your ideal firmness, comfort, and support. And with Sleep IQ technology inside the bed, it tracks how you're sleeping and gives you personalized insights for your best sleep. Stick around. (laughs) You stick around. Later in the episode to hear a special segment from us and Sleep Number. Bye. Everybody loves a lover. I'm a lover. Everybody loves me. Anyhow, that's how I feel. Wow. Hi, and welcome to yet another installment of In Bed with Nick and Megan, the beloved, internationally acclaimed, award-winning podcast starring... Number one! Mr. Nick Offerman, featuring Megan Mullally, and with today, our adorable sidekick, Stephanie Hunt. Hi. Welcome Hi. back, Stephanie. Hey. Stephanie is also my band partner in the band Nancy and Beth. NancyandBeth.com. Nice. <laughs> so I think we should talk today about age. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll start. The Paleolithic age mm-hmm. uh, is one that I really just know the name of, and I know that it was previous to now. Go. I think little things grew in the Paleolithic age mm-hmm. that then became big things. And that is how age defines itself <laughs> from little to big. <laughs> so I'm 60, mm-hmm. Stephanie's 30. And what are we? Really good friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what do we have? We have a band together. Two peas in a pod. How could that have possibly happened, you ask? Well, doesn't have anything to do with our ages. No. No ageism here. Nick is 49 years old. I'm 60. We're a married couple. How did that happen to you? <laughs> we don't know. And yet it did, believe it or not. Yeah, a- according to popular television, that's a crime against nature. That's right. Right. When, when, uh, when I was young, girl, than I am now, when I was growing up, I was 100% convinced that I was never going to get old, even though I, and I planned on living to be 100. I was somehow going to do that without aging at all. Mm-hmm. And I actually think I'm pulling it off to You're pull- a really I would say you really, yeah, really got- nailed it. So, so but, 60 years, so far, so good. I think it's because I don't care about age like I don't judge age I think old people are cool and I don't think oh gross although I did for a minute when I was probably in my 20s I was like ew old people yuck but I got over that really quickly and um I think that people my age other six-year-old women I can look at them and think, are you my mom? I mean, they seem so much older. Yeah. They're not anything like my actual mother was, but they just seem so much older. And I I often think that, and they, all, they always refer to themselves in a weird, and this can start when you're 35 or 40, you know, you can start talking about how old you are and you kind of buy into this idea that you're not allowed to be a certain way or look a certain way or wear certain clothes or anything like have certain interests like a certain kind of music if you're past whatever age it is that you think you're not supposed to do that anymore so i i just think that's all a fallacy and it's really really is it is a state of mind yeah when i was 17 i was sitting in the driveway of my best friend's house in oklahoma city in her vw bug and i 
we made a pact that we would stay 17 forever. And then when I was oh, in my late 40s, I hadn't seen her for a long time, and I we saw her somewhere in Oklahoma City. And I said, remember the pact we made to stay 17 forever? She said, no, I don't remember that at all. I <laughs> forgot all about it. And she seemed really old. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I should have remembered the pact. And we were, yeah, we were at the store, and she was buying adult diapers. Right. <laughs> a manifestation. It's concerning. I mean, you know, everyone ages and everyone at a certain point there probably is a need for Your adult diapers. Out, sure. Yeah, and that's that's just a thing, you know. But that's not what that's not what we're talking about. That's just plumbing. Yeah. Mm, it's basic it's kind of like any um restriction that you put on yourself based on societal norms because it's really comfortable i think for some people to think oh i'm older now i can't do that yeah it's it's more comfortable than thinking what do i want to do and mm -hmm. giving yourself freedom to do that is somehow scarier for some reason or maybe scary is not the right word but just less normalized and it just doesn't make a lot of sense mm -hmm. because no matter when it is, you can always start something. It's like beginner's mind. Mm -hmm. um, but also, you can tap into wisdom even when you're really young also. It's like, just because, the, and you can feel like that. I felt like that kind of when I was younger, or when people tell you you're old for your age, mm -hmm. um, which can also feel kind of restrictive. But... Um, when you have good opinions and you are smart, even a three-year-old can give you great advice. <laughs> you know what I mean? I um, know how to look for it. You can, you can put ageism on little kids, too, and not think that they know things because they're young. Right. It just says we think with the old. The other interesting thing is that... Um, I think that we don't respect age, that being old is something to be insecure about. Mm -hmm. It feels so wrong because having years underneath your belt is something to celebrate and to not want to hide. I don't know why we celebrate youth so much. Yeah, it, it, and it is so weird and weirdly true that I, I never think Oh, I wish I was. In, I wish I were in my twenties again, or my thirties, yeah. or ever. Mm -mm. You think, oh God, that was rough. <laughs> I'm glad I'm out of that one. Yeah. I mean, as a side note, based on what you just said about old people being cool, the this is just a loose tip. Uh, if you have an old person in your life, or think about who's the old person in your life who might fit this bill. Like, I remember when I was a little kid, there were elderly relatives that I was like, oh, I don't want to go to the nursing home and see my great-grandma. But if you just take a minute and ask them, what used to make you laugh? Or tell me some stories. Man, they've had 80, 90 years to put together their greatest hits. You are going to hear some intense entertainment. And you're going to learn stuff from it. And for me personally and my family, the older the generations go, the more they relied on really old-fashioned oral tradition where the family's stories are repeated orally. So my dad is an incredible example of this. And he, he remembers every detail of all these stories from when he was 10 years old. And it, sometimes I find it upsetting in the same way that back in the days of only landline before cell phones, you would have a ton of, of telephone numbers memorized, all your friends and family that you needed. In that same way, my dad, he can tell you what he paid for a bologna sandwich in college on his way to a Euchre game. Mm -hmm. Then he can walk you through the Euchre game, hand by hand. <laughs> it turns out Kenny Williamson had the jack of clubs. <laughs> And you're like, how can you remember that? And it's because the farther you go back, the more they depended on their information to navigate the world mm. compared to now when we contain all yeah, information. Yeah, I don't need to remember that. I can just look it up on the internet. Yeah. Exactly. 
Yeah, I when I was nineteen twenty, I um, used to volunteer for this organization in Chicago called Little Brothers of the Poor, Friends of the Elderly, and um, my thing was I would deliver groceries to elderly people, and you know, a lot of the time they'd say, "Oh, come on, come in," because they're really lonely. They just wanted somebody to talk to, and they'd pull out shoebox filled with photographs and um, I just I really I think because my grandmother lived to be 99 um, and I was around her a lot I just really liked older people and I wanted to spend time with them and that was such a I wish I was doing something like that now because it was such a good feeling to feel like you'd made someone's day a little better mm-hmm. by visiting but I, I had so much fun with with them it's like the the John Prine song, Hello in There. Mm-hmm. I love that song. Yeah. You can walk past somebody because you think that they'd be boring and old. You got to say hello to everybody. It, it seems like the whole idea is basically a lack of judgment of character based on age, regardless of young or old. Well, it's, it's really hard. It's getting worse in our culture right now. It's, you know, culture of youth and... Everybody's brought up to think about and look at things in a certain way. And it's very short-sighted, obviously, because what do you, you know, I would say to those people, what do you think is going to happen to you? You're going to get old. If you're lucky. If you're lucky, you're going to get old. If you're unlucky, you're going to die of cancer when you're 40. But if you're lucky, you're going to become one of these people that you think are so gross and that you spend so much time trying to and even in certain professions I mean it's such a short shelf life I mean we oh we watched Chasing Camera and Stephanie (laughs) Stephanie told us about this speaking of youth about (laughs) um, this reality show it's a 10 episode reality show on Netflix Mm -hmm. called Chasing Camera and about uh, social media influencers and they're all you know they're anywhere from the ages of 10 or 12 to 21 or yeah. somewhere in there and I just thought I actually we were we, we didn't know anything about that whole world yeah, I so we were either. completely mesmerized I thought it was good um, it's fascinating and really interesting yeah but like the even that guy Cameron, by the end of the series, he's 21. It's like, well, how many more years do you have left? I mean, two? Yeah, of being, <laughs> of being a cute dreamboat to yeah. 12-year-old for girls. For 12-year-old yeah. girls. Like, you can't really be a heartthrob for 12-year-olds unless then it gets into, like, a weird pedophilia area. Right. right. Well, yeah, you can't they be lose... having 12-year-old girls jump up and straddle you, and you can't be kissing them on the cheek unless no. there's something really creepy mm-hmm. happening. It, it brings no to how adorable you are. It brings to light the idea that twelve-year-old girls are controlling our society and yeah. our market. Mm-hmm. Is that's true though? <laughs> Which is empowering for them to know, mm-hmm. um, but not empowering for them not to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it is kind of true, but I didn't. Those guys all seemed nice to me. It reminded me of me loving the monkeys when I was little. Yeah, it. I mean, the the striking thing about what they do is that there's no content, you know. There's no talent, and there's not. A, they're not singing. They're not great singers, or they're not dancing or singing or uh, doing right. anything. They're Writing. just cute they're just guys a, who know how to. Well, I guess the talent is doing social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Posting. Right. Yeah. But the but the th- I was thinking about it's it. Not nothing. And mm-hmm. perhaps because. Social media is an arbiter of decency in a way. Like, you, if if you're a raging Nazi on social media, then you will only be popular, presumably, with fans of raging Nazis. Unless you're the president. Unless you're the president. Um, <laughs> but but if these these guys are interested in being, you know, popular generally, and so they have to at least come across as sweet and generous 
and self-effacing. You know, there there was mention on the series. They're Christiany. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. even yeah, there's even that element. Um, and so I think by and large, it must rub off on them that they are that they are able to remain nice, like they understand. They should, they're very lucky, and they should have gratitude for having a lucrative career for knowing how to take cute selfies. Um, but, I, but I wonder, it, it's such a strange thing to imagine. I understand, okay, so you're a product that can be sold, like you can create income as long as you're of the right age and popularity. But then when you graduate, uh, then what are you going to do? Like, all, all you've done is well, jump up and down the, on stage. The main guy, Cameron Dallas, um, he, it was an incredible little go-getter businessman. So I think he's going to probably do big things. I mean, I couldn't not believe how sophisticated he was in terms of business mm-hmm. at such a young age. So he'll probably do fine. But some of those other kids, I, I, I don't know, they'll probably just go into a completely other yeah. business. <clears throat> Dad, is that your secret dream to be a, a an adorable eighteen year old heartthrob social media influencer? Uh, no, it's not. Really? Are you sure? Look deep. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking. My, I mean, if if I um, had to make a dream life outside of my own. It would be much more in the vein of like building wooden boats in Nova Scotia, okay, and being famous for my lobster stew. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you guys this: You seem dis- you just seem disappointed, like kind of. It uh, just seems like something you would love, because I know you pretty well. Turns out, yeah, no, it's not. Uh, <clears throat> I don't. I don't know. I, I didn't feel any. If I got to be really good friends with all those guys and they started hanging out here all the time, would you love that? I don't think I would. <laughs> I honestly don't think I would. Um, again, if I could put them to work. I think you would. That's just my opinion. All right. What were you going to ask? I'm going to ask you guys if you could be a different age, would you want to be any other age? Mm. Why? No, I don't think so. What about you? No, I mean, I think uh, any any desire to do so would be foolish and superficial because the richness of life comes from, you know, experiencing it in the present. And, uh, uh, and I find mine very satisfying and, like, it, it presents me with a constant challenge, um, and, and with goals to meet that are that are really fun and exciting and uh, and to s- sort of wish I was another age. I mean, I don't know who would wish to be older because you're skipping, you know, delicious life. And to imagine wishing I was younger just seems counterintuitive because I'm really grateful for, you know, for every day like the it's working. My life is working in a way that I like. And, and it took every day up until this point to get here. When I was like nine, I couldn't wait to be a teenager. Couldn't wait to be 16. Oh, yeah. You know, but other than that, if I had to go back, though, if like I had to, I definitely wouldn't want to go back pre-Nick. So I wouldn't want to go back pre-being 41 years old, because that's when we met. Because I'm not doing this without Nick. Sorry, I'm out. If yeah, it's it's a, it's a funny question. It's like a monkey's paw kind of thing because if uh, if the parameters are like, could I go back to the day we met? But knowing what I know now, <laughs> that's a tricky question because on one hand you're like, great, you know, I I can have another shot at it without making any of the mistakes that I made. Uh, I'll I'll never make Megan cry again. On the other hand. I, Why did you say oh, that? Oh, honey, I'm sorry. God damn it. Okay, oh, send me back. I love it when you make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, it just seems like a folk tale in the making where it's like, foolishly, he agreed to do it, and everything changed, and he ended up losing Megan because, 
you know. This he, is roughly the plot to Back to the Future, isn't it? I can never remember any of those movies, like what they're really about. Well, th that had the creepy element where he went back and actually Already went had. on a date with, with his mom. mom. Yeah. That's so weird. So <laughs> that weird. would never Super happen creepy. now. Yeah. No. <laughs> there was the. There was a lot of boob action in that movie that would not oh fly today. Oh my god, right. McFly. Mm -hmm. That's so weird. Well, that was my next question. Um, would you want to time travel to any point in your future or your past? Oh my god, how interesting, since Nick Kroll also brought up time travel. <laughs> Forte, that actually. Was, oh, Nick, oh, Will Forte, uh, sorry. Mm -hmm. Will Forte, <laughs> it was one of them. Brought up his his whole subject for the episode was time travel. I love that. I don't know what to say. I mean, I'll I'll go first because mine's brief. I w no, I wouldn't like for, kind of for the same reason. Like, I have everything I can handle, so I don't. Ha I'm never like, oh, I wish for anything. I'm just like, okay, what do I have today? Honey, I'm pregnant. I would like to go back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, have any six-year-old women gotten pregnant? I think maybe. I bet. I think so. I think about 10 years ago, some 60-year-old broad got knocked up somehow. I think it was a situation. I think it was an in vitro search. Hmm. Mm. I don't know. Would, would, would you time travel if you could? No. I mean, I wouldn't go to another era or anything like that, but I might go back. Like you said, I would go back to in this life, you know. But then, you know, the subject came up in the time travel uh, Will Forte episode of, um, I asked him if he believed in reincarnation. Because he's into the idea of time travel. And I was like, you know, you, he was like, I don't think he really is. But I said, you know, you could do a past life regression. Or I might not have gotten that far. No, you did. Oh, I did? Yeah. Yeah, you can find a hypnotist therapist who does past life regressions and you can do that i mean i feel like are you gonna do that nick well nick's no. really into stuff like that he's a he's he's a witch none of my hypnotherapists <laughs> offer that service <laughs> wow because you work at the best in the business wow nick's got his tarot cards out right now yeah he's laying down in. a spread mm, uh-oh <laughs> Got some what bad news. See? I'll tell you later. Oh, no. Let's finish this pod. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Steph? Um. Well, I have an idea of time travel that the continuum that all moments can be mm -hmm. every moment. So I do do things like try to communicate with my future and past self. Because I can't help but think that um, guidance I get can be from my future self mm. that knows things that I don't know now. I love that. And um, I remember thinking that a lot when I was a kid, actually, when I was like eight years old. I was obsessed with my 30-year-old self, Isn't, which is funny. Wow. I'm 30 now. Uh, I just wanted to know what I looked like and what I did and what I was doing in the world. So I like the curiosity of it, whether or not it's a literal uh, traveling, the consideration of uh, communicating for the strength of everyone involved. Because I do believe that our ancestors are helping us along and we're helping our future ancestors so might as well put some vibes out there. If, yeah. Even if I'm the only one who knows. It stands to reason. Um, this reminds me of the... Recently, I wish I could think of the writer's name, um, in that the New York Times does that thing by the book. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions they always ask, is, it's an author with a book coming out, and they ask him a bunch of questions about book. About... About book. About book, yeah. The cool. one book. Um, <laughs> that... Is left in the future. And, uh, you know, book. And uh, the, the, the men and women uh, interviewed, there's often, a, it's often like, what books do you like? What books do you recommend? What book did you hate? Uh, there's a sense of humor to it. And it usually ends with, like, if you could have dinner with, you know, six people, authors, living or dead, who would they be? 
And this person's answer was so funny because they just took it really literally. And first they said, well, you, I would kind of want to just pick my friends because that's, I know that's going to be a fun dinner. <laughs> Anytime, you know, I've been at, seated at things with famous authors that I would love to meet in theory, and it's always really stilted and polite and it never gets that good. It's always kind of disappointing. And then to imagine dead authors coming to the dinner table, I mean, I feel like they would just be like, what the fuck? I was just dead a minute ago, and now what is this dinner? And it w went into this whole realistic description. And the reason I thought of it is because it's a, it's a, it's a fun th thought exercise to which I gave the most boring um, sort of practical answer, which is like, well, uh, you know, time travel isn't really going to do me any good, so uh, I'm going to be pragmatic and just say no thank you. But it's much more fun to, to say, sure, I would like to travel in time to uh, back to my, the first canoe that I built and give yeah. myself a couple tips. Sometimes I'm not that interested in, I mean, I, I like reading about other times and I definitely like anything that's kind of futuristic. But all the, the people I wish I could meet or like Jimmy Stewart. It's not people from other eras. It's from this era. I don't know. Maybe that's weird. Well, Maybe I feel like people from too long ago would be stinky. Let me let me take a <laughs> a, a slight course correction and ask you if you have any thoughts on your proposed topic of age, uh, specifically relating to Hollywood, age in Hollywood. Oh no, I don't have any thoughts on that. Do you think anyone? <laughs> do you think anyone in Hollywood cares about age? No. What are you crazy? Mm. Everybody here loves old people. <laughs> They're the ones who get all the parts. Nothing more than an older woman's droopy neck on camera. I mean, even just in in our lives together, which is sneaking up on 20 years together. Um, it's funny, when we first started dating, we received a lot of signals from the world that we were doing something egregious, you know? Or, Do you know what you're doing here? Are you sure you want to get into this situation? Nobody ever said that to me, strangely enough. They only said it to you. I thought you said people did say that to you. Oh. Didn't Eve they... say something like that? No. No, I had I had one friend who thought mm. you were fat. <laughs> that was, was, it. was that the person that became your ex friend? Yes. For the record, was that the fucking friend that you disowned? I did. I chucked her right out, never to be seen again. Later. And then, strangely enough, the only other time I've seen her since she was hugely like nine months pregnant and weighed like eight hundred pounds. So, what goes around comes around. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. And and Daddy's looking trim. Daddy's hot. Yeah. Daddy's hot. I gotta get trimmed. out of this bed. Yeah, there was one friend violently opposed to me, and she, and it it became a thing where she was kicked to the curb. It it came down to it's either him or me, and Megan said, "Later." That's right. Bing. Have fun Alex. eating lots of potato chips. You're out. She also had made overtures toward me in a sexual way. Mm -hmm. Oh, happened, jealousy. Yeah. So it sounds like jealousy. A little bit of that. She wasn't gay per se, gay-ish, gay adjacent. Was she 12? Yeah. How old was she? No, she was, she was your age actually, I think. Hmm. Maybe a little older. Interesting. But yeah, so she was, she was unceremoniously dismissed I wasn't, from the roster. For the record, I wasn't fat. I was jolly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you weren't fat by any standards, but you were probably 20 or 30 pounds heavier than you are now. Sure. Yeah, I was beefy. Were you 40 pounds heavier? Than, no. No, then 40. I became, I got up to, at my peak, I was 30, like, the, the most I ever weighed was probably season five or six of Parks and Rec, after all that bacon and eggs and all those cheeseburgers. Oh, okay. Um, 
and, and in numbers, that was I got up to about 225, which is pretty heavy. And you're 190. I'm 190 now. Wow. Okay. There you go. I just had a little bit steeper climb uh, in those days than I do now. That's the only difference. Um, so age in Hollywood, it's not a thing. Nobody cares about age. Everybody's no. super open. I'm so to relieved older, to hear that. Especially older women. They love them. Um, Wait a no, second. Are you being way, sarcastic? I'm kidding. I'm being facetious <laughs> because it kind of is a thing. Although I think it's starting to get a little bit better because it seems to me that I'm talking about television now, which is the new movies, because the only we we just. We talked about this the other day. I said they only make three kinds of movies now. They make horror films, superhero movies, and animated movies. And that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. So with all the great television that there is now, I see so many more women wearing, uh, and I'm talking about women who are past the age of 40, either no makeup and or old. So sometimes old and no makeup, but no women actresses who haven't had work done um who have wrinkly faces and droopy jawlines and saggy necks and who ne don't necessarily have you know skinny little size two bodies are really getting great roles on television and kind of it's sort of being celebrated and, and not played up but just lovingly photographed in a way that never would have happened even 10 or 15 years ago, but there are so many people in that category now. And I think that's a great step in the right direction. For sure. And there, and there are, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, again, it's just a slow trudge towards fairness, you know. Mm -hmm. There are more women writers and directors working as well, which, which we see the evidence of. We work with them. But then I'm always surprised, like, every year when the numbers come out of, like, Here's how many women, you know, directed a film or t a television program. And the numbers are still really, the numbers are, 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 oh, are still re really embarrassing. But they're, yeah. you know, now it's three instead of zero. Mm -hmm. And we're heading towards 50. Well, yeah. So same with older women being allowed to be on camera if they're not, um, well, period. But also if they're not perfectly gorgeous that's all changing there are at least some i mean there's a pretty good quantity not enough but you know we still need more we need a lot of things we need more roles for women we need obviously more roles for people of color that kind of thing but just since we are talking about age mm -hmm. i have noticed that quite a bit in the last five or ten years especially the last five years on really high profile um expensive cool, great shows. There's just a lot more of that. I noticed that initially one of the main shows was um, The Leftovers. Because mm. they had all those actresses on that show who were part of the remnant and none of them wore any makeup. And um, they were all middle-aged and did, hadn't had any work done and they all look great. I just think it's so much more attractive, but I don't know. Yeah, it's like the broadening of what is attractive, mm -hmm. but it's not just, it's, it's not even really that sexy to just be like a young, hot girl. No. That's not No, but it, but it's, what's interesting. But I do feel, I, I feel like there's a growing disparity because the, that still is being uh, sold heavily to popular culture or is the look of fashion and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. But the it's it's like indie film, the if if older women without makeup are the indie movies uh, of casting, indie movies are gaining popularity. People, more and more people are catching on to, oh, realistic looking people are fascinating and beautiful. Um, I read a Yoko quote, uh, Yoko Ono, I'm familiar. Um, years ago, and I, I will only be able to paraphrase it, but it was something like, "Why, why do we, um, 
why do we venerate trees the older they get and more wrinkled and mm. and buckled and gnarly the more we consider them holy and beautiful why don't we treat people the same way mm-hmm. and in other cultures in some other cultures they do probably not as much as they used to because everything is getting so homogenized now but i mean older people have been revered in many cultures and it just never really took in the united states of america just like you know treating everyone the same and despite whatever color their skin may or may not be that's that's never seemed to have taken either Mm-mm. Mm. i think the cure is to be genuinely interested in people mm-hmm. yeah just in the person mm-hmm. not in the trappings yeah whether they be a three-year-old mm-hmm. you want to have a really deep conversation with mm-hmm. or a 300 year old <laughs> <laughs> i don't like i don't like stinky people okay i don't like why are you are you poking me when you say well that? look i live with a guy who has a lot of gas I'm just going to say it. But I do like you, so I guess I do like some stinky people. When do you live with this other guy? (laughs) That's disturbing. We do a podcast in our bed, too. What? Yeah. Would you like me better if I was stinky? (laughs) Um, Do you want me to try to be gassy? I I know you never could be, so I won't ask. Um, It's impossible. Here's another thought about age that um, that I feel like we all can weigh, uh, upon which we can all weigh in heavily. Uh, I was so guilty. There, there's this crazy misconception, um, specifically in our chosen careers of show business. Um, I went to theater school. I, I got to Chicago when I was 23 and started working professionally in the theater there. And you have this idea um, that, you know, if you don't hit it before you're 30, it's over. Like, Hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. 25 is pretty much the peak of your life. (laughs) And for me specifically, uh, growing up in the 80s, um, John Cusack, who was a beloved movie star, for some reason I set him as my high watermark, where I was like very... (laughs) When he was a Chicago guy, right? He was, yeah. Yeah. And, And I... So I was very aware of like how many films he had done by what age. And so, you know, I I had a lot of catching up to do. Mm -hmm. And of course, by the time I got into my late 20s and moved to Los Angeles, I was becoming pretty distraught because I was nowhere near catching Cusack. And (laughs) a friend of mine uh, had worked with his theater company in Chicago and they were friends. And one day... Um, when I was 28 or 29, John Cusack was coming to pick up my friend to go play basketball. And we were all kind of like trying to play it cool, like, oh, John Cusack's coming to our house. And uh, at at the appointed time, he burst in the door and he was on the phone. It must have been an early, you know, he had a cell phone, which at the time was crazy. Mm -hmm. And he was screaming. He was in a screaming fight with his with somebody and and he was like oh hi guys you know you hey paul you ready to go take it sorry guys take it easy and he left and we found out later that he was fighting with his agent about a film that he was in but and he was trying to get the script fixed so the takeaway was we were, we were just gobsmacked and said you can be john cusack the greatest you know the <laughs> greatest actor ever to have lived. The greatest Chicago-based white man to, you know, he, he's done the most films by the youngest age. Uh, you can even, you can be that guy and still be screaming at someone trying to fulfill your artistic vision. Mm. Like, you, it, it never gets easy. And so then I, you know, I turned 30 and so forth and so on. And I, I began I continued to accrue. I always said I was a very slowly rolling snowball. 
little better jobs, a little more jobs into my 30s. You know, Megan and I met when I was 29, and uh, and it it wasn't until I was 38 that I got cast as Ron Swanson, and and by then I had switched from John Cusack to Bill Macy because I forget what his number was, but I want to say he was like 43 when he did the movie Fargo, which I consider to be his big break. And so I kept moving the scale up where I was Mm -hmm. like, well, I got till I'm 43. And as long as I get a Fargo, by the time I'm 43, I'm, you know, and, and so the, the, the lesson is, and now I'm 49 and I feel like, uh, so young and so happy that I have the rest of my life to keep learning. And I've come to understand that hopefully I'll never peak. Yeah. And, and that there is no high water mark. I get, I get to just keep striving forward mm-hmm. until my strider gives out. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the, that's the moral of the story is you, you're never, there's, there's never a peak age or you're never going to know it all. Yeah. But hopefully you just get a lot of time to keep improving. Yeah, it's about the... Chasing your own personal Cusack. Yeah, the act, that was, that was great, honey. And the, I totally agree. And I think that the, the point is the whole, every minute is just be staying in the present is all you can do. Like it, all the... The process or the journey, if you will, although I don't like saying that, mm. is the point, not not the destination. You're never going to get to a destination. If you get somewhere that you think, I mean, what are you going to do? Just give it all up? Like, oh, well, I'm yeah. casting a movie. I guess it's all over. Yeah. You know. Now what? Hang it up. Now what? They say. <laughs> now what indeed? It's not the destination. It's the gas mileage. Right. I believe is what they say. How do you feel about Stefania? I feel like uh, we're all joined in being firm nowists. I think uh, turning 30 feels really great. People still think I'm, some people still think I'm 15 when I see them. And some people, when they find out I'm 30, want to talk to me differently. Um, oh, 30. 30. Oh, we can, like, talk to you about taxes. Let me get out my phone. You can say dirty words in front of you. Yeah, exactly. But it's fun to still have people think I'm 15 sometimes because I can, like, just be quiet and let them per- per- think that they're teaching me something. <laughs> Maybe they will. They might. You sometimes get freebies. People give me directions everywhere I go. That could be just because I look confused. Back to age difference in a romantic relationship. Mm. Meaningless. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean... It never. We've never even thought. It's it's of all the things that we've talked about or had some kind of problem with or celebrated. It's it that's never been it. Yeah, yeah. There's never been. It's never come up. Like okay, look. I, <laughs> right. I know. I know you were born way before me, or or vice versa. Okay, mm-hmm. look. Right. I know you're a child. Mm-hmm. But you still have to brush your teeth every night, young man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then with us, I'm looking at Stephanie now. Um, it's funny that we that we have be- that we became such good friends, and we have this total. We're totally in sync with uh, you know our creativity and with music and singing and our approach to the band and everything. But just in terms of becoming friends, I mean, I never thought, oh, but she's only, I think we met, I think you were 22 when we met. Right. 22 or 23. Something like that. And I was in my 50s. I was 52 or 53. And I never thought, oh, should I? But would it be weird if I was friends with this 22-year-old girl? It just didn't even occur to me. And I don't, I don't know what that means. 
I think it's it's not age, it's resonance. Yeah. You know, there's some things that just are comfortable because you you know, you're, there's a simpatico, there's a similar nature of existence. And if you're tuned into resonance, then you're going to pick up on that regardless of what your mind's going to try and tell you how to judge a person based on or how to judge yourself because it's also like judging yourself like that I'm old so I can't do this mm -hmm. you know any sort of thing like that yeah and it's not like all my other friends are half my age or or all your other friends are twice your you know it's not it, it, neither of us have it's not like all my other husbands are fat guys <laughs> it's just it's resonance <laughs> uh, that was whole thing was to get to that one that was line. a good one thanks um and so something that uh is is maybe wonderfully peculiar about our business is we, we all met working on a film together uh, called somebody up there called likes gone me. Gone with the wind. What? By yeah, the, it was a while uh, ago. <laughs> the notorious Austin filmmaker Robert Byington. Uh, Bobby. Bobby. And and I remember the first day we met was in Los Angeles in a makeup test. And you were um, you were a smartass immediately. Okay. You like established yourself as a troublemaker, and you were one of the. We were both leads in the movie and we were going to then go to austin we were we were testing old age makeup mm -hmm. for this, this very fun. movie which we ended up not doing um so it's a good thing we did the test we saved ourselves some embarrassment mm -hmm. and then megan came and played a role in the movie it, well i came to be with you and then he asked me if i'd play this very small role and i said yeah sure oh sorry go ahead i interrupted you well the uh, the point the point is simply that we all were uh, peers. We, we were all on the same level, age 22, 41, and 52, or whatever it was. We all were actors working in this company, making a film. Well, yeah, and, and Stephanie was, d yeah, exactly. By which I mean, that's a fun gateway where mm -hmm. you go to work every day, could be with a seven-year-old, and you're like, wow. Let's be friends, like, after this. Let's go. Well, we had had a dinner at Uchi in Austin, the great sushi restaurant, um, the night... It was, like, the night before we started shooting, mm -hmm. or a couple nights before. But I also had a party down event there, so I had two things working. But Stephanie was dating a friend of mine, somebody I'd worked with in the past at the time, so I'd already heard about her from him, and then... Um, I don't know, I just remember it, really. Mm -hmm. just, I remember what you were wearing. In my Flintstones car. And your, yeah, she had this car that all her friends had painted different colors. And you basically had to, like, run along. It was the Flintstones you had to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. didn't really we all pushed it. Motor. It was good, though. Yeah. It was a bonding experience. Yeah. <laughs> but, mm. yeah, it's funny how you... I don't know. Creativity. Yeah. It's, it's ageless. Because that's really what we bonded over was music. Mm-hmm. Resonance. Resonance. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's getting, um, it's it's watching Harold and Maude and, mm -hmm. and understanding the, the truth uh, of that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well... I think this is a good time to wrap this up. This has been another illuminating yeah. installment of In Bed with Nick and Megan. One for the ages. Starring Nick Offerman, featuring Megan Mullally, with special friend, sidekick, Stephanie Hunt. Stephanie Hunt, you can find her on Instagram at Teppi Hunt, T-E-P-P-I-E, -P -P -E, or... On Twitter, which she never uses, at Steph O'Nee. All right. Nick? Peace to all citizens of the planet Earth. Good night. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>《Bed with Nick and Megan is an Earwolf production. It's produced by Megan Mullally, Kevin Bartelt, and Michael Landry. 
Executive produced by Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon. Music by Nancy and Beth, which can be found at www.nancyandbeth.com. If you enjoyed In Bed with Nick and Megan, make sure to rate it and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Nick? Yeah, honey? Not sure if you know this, but this episode is brought to you by Sleep Number. I did not know that. Yeah. And did you also know that 9 out of 10 couples prefer a different mattress firmness? That, I I guess I didn't know the 9 out of 10 part. Right. You thought it was 8 out of 10. I remember you saying that. Yeah. And I smacked you across the face and you were like, was that really justified? That's right. Well, I was mad because I feel like you should know that. Um, (laughs) Well, now I do. I stand corrected. (laughs) With a sleep number mattress, you can adjust each side of the mattress. So if there are two people on the mattress, I don't know if there are three, I'm not sure what you do, but if there are two, right? You, if one likes it really soft and one likes it really firm, and I'm talking about the mattress, Yo. you can adjust the, like, those sides. Like what if I like a six and you like a nine? Well, I think that's pretty much true. Hey. Uh, so everything's right. But Nailed I it. also, I hate to bring up a touchy subject, but we don't always agree on everything. No, I mean, that's true. I think that's true of any relationship. Yeah, and so we, uh, that's why we had to get a sleep number mattress, because um, we were having sort of, I don't know. Sleep squabbles. Like the police was coming, they were, police were coming a lot. Yeah, sleep squabbles. All right, Um, but we have, I'd say we've managed to find common ground by discovering proven quality sleep (laughs) no by getting a sleep number mattress right ended a lot of the the police presence in our home totally what's your sleep number again i should know this 35 no 57 no i mean you changed it but it's 60 69 (laughs) no 60 you wish it was 69 they don't i don't know if it comes in I think it goes in, uh, not in nines. I agree. They agreed since we were doing this for them to give me a custom, uh, finely tuned 69 sleep number mattress. You do have a custom. (laughs) (laughs) I, on the other hand, I'm a measly 25. What does that say about my character? It, It just means you like it soft. That's true. Yeah. So we have been able to sort of breach the gap with uh, this beautiful sequence of numbers. Discover smart, effortless comfort with the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. Come in now and save up to $900 on select Sleep Number 360 Smart Beds. For a limited time, only at Sleep Number Store or sleepnumber.com slash in bed.